0: Hey, everybody, Uh, just a quick note. This episode was recorded before the very tragic passing of Nate's Foo Fighters bandmate, Taylor Hawkins. Uh, Taylor's name comes up a few times during this conversation in present tense. So we just wanted everyone to have that context. Thank you very much. This episode of Bass Streaks is brought to you by Dunlop Bass Strings. Dunlop Bass Strings are made in California and designed by the players of Dunlop to sound and feel the way a string should. With deep lows, strong fundamental punchy mids, and articulate highs. Dunlop bass strings offer a complete line with standard nickel and stainless round wounds, flat wounds, and super brights. They're also available in short, medium, and long scales. So go to jimdunlop.com and check out Dunlop bass strings. Bass, Hello, my friends. Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. We're grateful and happy to be back for another season. This is a place for all of us bass freaks to chat it up, gain a little insight and inspiration, and have some fun with some great bass players. I'm your host, Josh Paul, and today we welcome Nate Mendel from a little band called the Foo Fighters. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Well, hey, thanks for having me. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Uh, here at the Foo Studio in beautiful Northridge, California. And I bet the sun is shining. It is. Yeah, Beautiful. what are the odds? <laughs>
0: Beautiful California. I miss California.
1: Not too bad a place.
0: No, it's not. Um, man, you guys have a lot of stuff going on. Um, I was just I just watched the trailer or tried to pull up the trailer for a movie that you guys did. <laughs> How was that? You- it seems like it seems like you guys are always doing something wild and fun and crazy and uh i appreciate that cheers to you
1: oh thanks man yeah it's i mean it's definitely a thing i i love about this band and it's what keeps us going for as long as we have you know like touring's great putting out records is great but it's nice to um sprinkle in some absurd other projects on the side here and there just to keep it spicy (laughs) (laughs) right it's awesome it's awesome
0: and i gotta say it looks like you're having a lot of fun i've seen you guys play a, a bunch and um every time i see you guys you just look chill like you're up there just having some fun oh and man it, and I even know. If i know life sometimes goes, you know everybody has good days
1: and bad days but you hide it very well either way however you're up there just chilling well it it is uh you know no matter i you know it's like when you're when you're playing everything else just kind of slides away and you're and you're doing the thing that's one of the things i love that's i've always loved about it it's like you know it's meditative it really is like you just that's what you're thinking about is we're making this music right now i'm in it and i'm just very present
0: that that is that is a great word and a great way to look at it presence is uh super important
1: yeah um it's funny you mentioned the calm thing, though. No, I mean, i I always kind of get that, especially, you know, in my band, we've got Dave running around and Taylor's back there, bashing the shit out of the drums and Pat's throwing his hands up in the air. I was <laughs> I remember the first time I went to uh, to Brazil, the band was playing in Rio at Rock and Rio. and awesome. the, the day after the show, i I don't know why we did this, but like seven o'clock in the morning, we scheduled uh, a jump off the mountain on hand gliders. Like a tandem hang glider thing. <laughs> of and course the, you
0: did. Of course you did.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh and God. everybody was hung over, and I don't know how it happened, but at six thirty, like calling around, like, "Are you gonna make it?" Yeah, I, I don't know why, but I'm gonna do it. So, anyways, we did it, and we're driving up the mountain with the the hang glider instructors, and the guy he says to me, "Is like, I saw your I saw your show on TV last night. And you were, do you have a jazz background? Oh. you very so you were very calm up there." <laughs> I was like, "No, no jazz background. I'm just." I'm just trying to remember how the damn song goes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Perfect.
0: Well, you know, since you're bringing up your background, uh, tell us how you started. I mean, why bass?
1: Uh, Well, uh, you know, I was just getting into music around 12 years old, like you do, and uh, I had a neighborhood friend who played guitar, and we got you know an idea. Let's start a band. He's like, I play guitar. Why don't you play bass? So it was it was his idea, and that's really why I picked up the bass. I would, okay. would have probably gravitated to some instrument within the next few weeks after that, because you know how things move so quick when you're a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it just happened to be that, that suggestion for my friend Neil, and so I, I did pick it up. I was just getting into the police uh, Ghost in the Machine and just come out. It was my favorite record. Sting's the bass player, so there was there was that tailwind okay. too. Okay. Uh But that's how that's how I picked it up, and you know we never really started a band, and shortly thereafter i got into punk rock uh and so that was uh you know that was my introduction to playing music was basically wanting to do a band and for me i did things kind of backwards from how probably most people do it whereas you know you learn the instrument and then you figure out what you're going to do like well i'll do a band or i'll be a session player or you know whatever it is i'll study jazz and for me i just i love punk rock and it was like all about that do it do it yourself diy attitude so i wanted to be to put a band together and so i worked on that like where are we going to get the equipment where are we going to play we got to print t-shirts we got to figure out how to go on tour and in order to make that happen i got to figure out how to play this thing a little bit
0: <laughs> you were making you know? it happen
1: man yeah no we just got it we just did band pra- It was like we're, let's have band practice let's make up songs uh and then so it was really it was backwards and that's kind of how i figured it out and got into it was just as a vehicle to get my band into a van and on the road what was the name of the first band diddly squat yes
0: diddly squat (laughs) did you guys
1: have your your
0: your single that everybody knew what was your favorite song that you guys wrote
1: Oh, God. You know, I don't even know if I could remember a diddly score. I mean, they were like, we lived in eastern Washington and out in the middle of nowhere. So gosh. we were just making fun of the things that were happening. It was a, a farm community. So we were, okay. you know, like, I think there was a song called Cows and Beer, probably. I mean, nice. we were for 14. <laughs> um, but my first, but we went on tour. We did. i went almost really? all the way across the country. And in a van I bought from my girlfriend's parents. Oh, uh, my
0: gosh. That's awesome
1: yeah and then after that was a band called christ on a crutch and that we were like a little bit more uh established as you know as much as you could be established in the hardcore scene in the 80s Uh
0: yeah very cool very cool so you mentioned sting was one of the people that you really sort of looked up to as a bass player were there any other bass players along the way that you just went oh my god that is badass i want to do that
1: yeah. Um well it was it was the guys that played a lot of notes. So like whatever band I was listening to where there was just like you know just a ferocity of notes like that I was I was into that. So you know there was a great band from Texas called The Offenders and you know it's just really this frenetic music and the drums are going bananas and so there's all kinds of space for bass players to play a lot of notes and i just i thought that was cool but the guy who and, and to this day i've got a massive amount of spec for his playing and his tone uh it's called fluoride from the dead kennedys oh, yeah. and you know it's the guy's a no joke player and actually yeah. only i only found this out recently that he he had like a blues background and he toured with some um some pretty heavy hitter blues guys prior to to being in the Dead Kennedys. So it wasn't, uh, you know, no surprise that he was as good as he was. He wasn't just like a guy like me that's like, hey, I want to play punk rock songs.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, what was your favorite? Uh, did you have any favorite punk bands? Because I love the attitude of punk rock and I and the community of it is just so great. What drew you to punk? Uh,
1: I don't know. It just... Uh, I remember when I was, and this, Devo wasn't really a punk band, but I, this was like a a formative image for me. Is like backseat of my parents' car, and I saw some kids with skateboards. You know, I was probably twelve, maybe they were fifteen. They were like older kids, and they're riding around with these skateboards. They looked fucking cool, and one dude had written the Devo logo on the back of his skateboard. And for whatever reason, I was like, "That's cool, and that's what I want to do." <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, I think that's you know that was my introduction to it and I was really into skateboarding and there was that kind of synergy between those two communities back in the back in the 80s when I was growing up and it just seemed like the coolest thing is like I'm going to ride on this you know this board that I'm going to use as an avenue for sort of self-expression and then I'm going to listen to this music that kind of fuels that because it sounds just as you know it sounds like trying to catch air on a half pipe Got it yeah. yeah
0: I get that Yeah man I get that from uh, from those first initial two bands that you were able to put together and and put in the work with, what came next? What was the first like pro or quote unquote? Because you were out touring, so I would consider that pro. But what was like the real the first pro gig?
1: Well, that was this band called Sunny Day Real Estate that uh, I did after Christ on a Crutch. So we did the we did the crutch band for like a, a little bit longer than that scene could really sustain <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you yeah. know like it was pretty by the early 90s like that whole thing had kind of run its course at least in in my mind and I was getting into other kinds of music and getting to be a little bit more proficient as a player and while Crest crutch was kind of dwindling I was playing with these other guys um that would you know would go on to be the band Sunday Day real estate um and you know, it was still kind of it felt like a part of the punk rock scene to us, and it mm-hmm. was like we operated in that in that world. But the music was a little different, and it was a little, a little more complex and interesting. You know, it wasn't just this kind of by the numbers hardcore thing. And I, I remember after one rehearsal, uh, thinking, "This <laughs> Firehouse was a popular band at the time, and they were, you know, they were doing really well and getting played on the radio and everything." Thinking like, "I think we might be as good as Firehose. so so that that was one moment for me i was like well hang on a second like like why why do we have to be this like super underground band maybe we could be a little bit closer to the surface um and then that band got a record deal on sub pop and uh we got a little stipend from the label to go on tour and so that's when my like life as a professional musician started how old were you then 22 23 something like that
0: that's killer yeah, that's cool. man, you were doing all this multitasking and um, taking care of uh, the business side while learning the instrument, and I think that's so great. What advice would you give for for young bass players trying to put together a band?
1: Well, it's funny because I don't think uh, I th- things are obviously completely different now, but in a way, it's it, uh, s- some element of it hasn't changed. In that, like, you kind of have to—you can't just learn your instrument and be good at it. It's there's a lot of I don't want to say self-promotion because that sounds sounds kind of crass, but you need to like um, network and get yourself out there and do other things in order to make what you do something that's visible to other people. Right? For me, it was you know I'd maybe started a little record label and got our band out on tour and you know promoted the band in various ways. And, and now it's obviously um, everything's sort of channeled through the internet and you're getting on Bandcamp and you've got the Instagram and everything else that's going to kind of uh, uh get your get your name out there so you know in general i'd say just you make it a you make it an art project as much as you can right Uh, it's not just uh it's not just music which is of course you know this art form and you need to see like the broader picture of it um i have again i'll I'll go back to the devo like i was i think they're and god i I hope at some point in time they get into the rock and roll hall of fame yes (laughs) i'm just gonna have an aside i agree i'm gonna have an aside there. most underrated band because they looked at their entire band as an art project, like the way that they looked, they invented mm-hmm. this whole new look. They went on s- Saturday Night Live and like we're not we're the band that doesn't talk, and they oh, had yeah, all these yeah. kind of sticks, yeah. And they were video pioneers. They made movies. Um, they had the hats. They had this, like, this all this stuff that's like no, no. It's oh, and they had this manifesto about like what the name Devo means, and there's this whole kind of uh, lore surrounding it. I just thought that was so cool, like yeah make great music and they did but also have this whole world of of sort of artistic creation that sort of surrounds it and i I think that's i think that's good advice for anybody that's what you know that's what musicians do like anybody that's really dedicated to it like they're gonna find some way to create art that has something to it besides just hey i made a great song
0: right right Yeah. yeah create that identity create that
1: create your world tons of respect for that yeah it's Absolutely. Great. Uh, what was your first base? <laughs> it was. Uh, I, I love it. This is both embarrassing and something that I love. Uh, so it was the '80s. New wave was popular. Steinbergers were happening. The headlines. Yeah, uh, yeah. But okay. I didn't. You know, Steinberger was out of my price range. So I got the copy by this company named Court C O R T. Oh yeah, no Court. So, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, Court Steinberger copy. Nice. Was it black? It was. It was black, and it had this like little. Thing, this piece of plastic, I'm I'm never really sure what it was for, but I think it was meant to kind of like contour to your body, mm. and it was attached to the base, and maybe so you could spin it, or maybe just so it'd be more comfortable. But oh. that was a. Uh, I wonder uh, what
0: they would call that—the spin piece, the
1: uh, uh, the the hip hugger, hip. Oh, I don't know, hip hugger.
0: <laughs> I like that. Too. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, how did you? Yeah.
1: What did you graduate to? Uh, after that it was an Ibanez Roadstar 2 I think and okay. then I had um, Kramer did a an aluminum neck for a while right. kind of like a Travis Bean remember yep. those yeah I had one of those very and top then, heavy right they would kind of fall over yeah I don't I, it's been so long yes I'm sure it was a, a tank for sure uh, and then I got a, a 71P base that's like been my sort of number one ever since
0: very cool. You have a signature bass too, right?
1: Yeah, it's based on it's based on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, exactly. Tell us about that. So that is uh, it's the main thing about it for me is it's got this neck that's ba- it's it's uh, an inch and five eighths, so it's in between a jazz and a P bass neck, which to me has just always seemed like the uh, the sweet spot. You know, jazz yeah. necks a little too thin, P bass necks are can be a little wide, and it's got this nice sort of uh, shape to the neck. So there's that and um another aspect I like about the the signature is it's it's not um it's weathered a little bit. It's not totally totally banged up and what's the term that they use for um, the wet the, Worn worn, I the, think. Road worn. Road worn, yeah. There's another one. You know what I mean? Um it, it's not it's not all banged up to look like it spent years on the road, but it doesn't look like a base that you've just pulled out of the case okay it's, it's so it's shiny
0: but not too shiny
1: subtly kind of aged yeah so aesthetically i think it looks really nice it's got this uh this really well-shaped neck and that's the that's the foundation of it very cool um what about strings uh string uh bass boomers played them since i was a kid oh cool yeah yeah, I wonder if other do other guys you have on here or and or women uh, have this, the same thing where it's like they kind of like find something early on and just that's the thing. I used to play the same picks without oh, fail that I've played for forty years, uh, the same strings, almost the same bass, yeah. same amps. What like SVT? SVT. Just vi- okay. you know, vintage SVTs from the seventies. Nice. Yeah, I've experimented with some other things and then just recently uh, I was like, "Why am I doing this? I'm just chasing this tone." Right. Uh, well, I know why I was trying to do it because I didn't think that they'd be roadworthy, and I was like, "Well, I'll just bring an extra one in case it blows up. Then I've got a backup." Um, genius. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> now I've got like eight. I've got like eight of those, and you can still buy those things for like two grand. And to oh. me, they're the best bass amps that ever were. They you you can't recreate them, um, it, and so why not just go to that?
0: Yeah, I get it. You yeah. like what you like, man. If it works, it works. Yeah. Um. Um. I think the term is "relict." By the way,
1: I knew it. See, it was, there. It is it was relict.
0: relict. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what would you say? Um. Goes. What are some of the ingredients
1: of a good bass tone? Do you think? Uh, just so speaking particularly to 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 my experience, uh, I like it to break up of just a hair which is something that as old SVTs can kind of do, uh, you need to have some sub harmonics in there, like not just like, uh, like that one sort of frequency, if it can kind of somehow um, through whatever tube frequency, uh, you know, tube magic kind of have some extra harmonics in there. Uh, you've got to have the the low end while having some attack. I think a lot of modern amps kind of have this like springiness to them you know mm. where it's like you get a you get a low end sound but there's not like a I call it like wooden somehow like you can really hear like a percussive attack to um the note uh that's what works for me obviously you know different genre genres of music are going to have totally different needs finger players versus pick players but for me that's what I look for
0: yeah you, your tone um fills up space pretty well and also y- you can hear what you do and so it cuts through very well
1: yeah i think for you know the the type of music that I play, there's usually quite a bit of distortion on there. And it's just never it never made a lot of sense to me. I like I've always liked to clean a clean bass tone. I think um, you know. There's three guitar players in my band. Obviously, their guitars are distorted most of the time. <laughs> it's like I feel. I feel we got enough. We're good there. <laughs> and you know, if I if I can create a solid tone, that's going to like you. You can kind of really uh, hear it with the with the drums and obviously, especially the kick. Yeah. And you get a really percussive, solid note if you're playing together, which I strive to do. I can't always get there, but most of the time, uh, <laughs> then I think you're in a good spot. Very cool. Uh, who are some of your favorite drummers uh favorite drummers that's a good question you know who i like is um uh brian devendorf from the national oh yeah do you know oh, that band
0: yeah i do yeah yeah i'm like
1: I'm always kind of surprised he's not uh i don't know uh more visible as as a, as a great drummer I, I like love his parts uh because he basically takes a drum fill and then turns that into a part and then doesn't right. do any a lot of drum fills on top of that. Just right. makes like an interesting part using the whole kit and then just plays that. And it becomes kind of this uh, really cool hypnotic thing that really propels the song forward. Um, I think he's great. Um, who else is a good drummer? I mean, I got a couple of good guys in my band. I love playing with them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, just a little bit, both, yeah. Both uh, great drummers, exceptional love watching them and listening to them as millions and millions of other people do as well
1: yeah you know i always appreciate them um when i get an opportunity to play with other people and i you know because i've been in this band for so long it's like i I primarily know taylor and then of course i I know dave's drumming really well uh and when i go and you know play with other folks it just gives me a uh sort of a fresh appreciation for how good those guys are and what yeah. skills they have and how well we play together and just the value of like really knowing another musician and like where they're gonna go and like you can throw something out and uh, there won't be like a head scratchy moment where I'm like I oh, don't what what is that and you know what i mean you just you, <laughs> yeah. you end up speaking the same language and it really is valuable it's obviously great to play with other people and have those new experiences but um Knowing each other really well is uh, it's really valuable.
0: How long have you guys been playing together?
1: Well, Taylor and I, about 23 years, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Th- so That's a long Fools time. Really, you guys we've really been around for 26, and Taylor's been there the, almost the whole time.
0: Very cool. How did you get the gig with the Foos? Uh,
1: 1994 uh, is when Kurt Cobain died and that's also when uh certainly to real estate fell apart and dave and i had just started to kind of know each other through the local music scene and we both found ourselves without a band um and he had already written the first foo fighters record and recorded it and there was this tape floating around town you know that just said foo fighters on it and i got that i learned it was dave that had made it and we just kind of gravitated towards each other like he was interested in you know, actually putting a band together and I was freshly bandless. So yeah, yeah. made sense.
0: And it worked out. So. It worked tw- out. <laughs> 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 Hooray to that. That's yeah. very cool, man. Um, how do you sort of navigate um, the daily grind on tour and being around the same people, you know, 24 hours a day all the time for so long? Well,
1: yeah, it's a, uh, it's definitely tricky and you gotta, you, know, you gotta, gotta work at it sometimes, but, um, first of all enormously lucky like um, all my bandmates are really good guys and they're fun and we like each other and we respect one another um, so there's that right like that's just a gift that, that came that came pretty easily but it is a lot of time together and it can be kind of stressful and so I, I pull out and I, uh, I like sports <laughs> so, nice <laughs> so I uh, I run and I, I bring my bike on tour and I just I, I just get out wherever I am and uh, and ride around the city on my bike try to find mountains trails and uh, and then I come back and I've had some time to myself fresh kind of worked out and uh, it's that's what gets me through those you know some of the the tedium of touring okay yeah you got, gotta have those moments for sure yeah, yeah. I recommend it to anybody who's touring <laughs> right and most people do you know I, they a lot of they they uh, find a way to get out and uh, get some exercise
0: what are some of the highlights um, of shows that you've done, was there like one where you're like, "Holy shit, this is awesome! I've I've made it. I don't want to do anything else. This is this is the best."
1: Uh I remember the first time that Foo Fighters played to what like I considered was a big crowd, and it was in Toronto. and We played this big room uh, that held three thousand people, Uh and Rocket from the Crypt was opening up. This is probably like I don't know 1998 or something like that, and that was the first time I I felt like wow. We made it. This is a lot of people in one room. Holy shit! This is great. Uh, but there's been all kinds of crazy moments, like Rock and Rio, being able to go down there. Um, I remember the first time I got on a plane to go play a show, which was a Sunny Day Real Estate. We were playing in the '90s. They had these like kind of radio shows. Maybe they still do, and it's just like not what you know my my, my band does as much anymore. But you know, like the K Rock Weenie Roast kind of thing, right? Where everybody every band that's currently on that station's playlist comes and plays a show and he did that in salt lake city for sunny real estate that was a big like i made it kind of moment um when foos played wembley stadium that was a huge one um it was a fucking stadium It was 80, <laughs> 000, 80, 000 people and you know there's just no getting around it when you're doing that like wow we've really we really popped the cork on something here
0: absolutely <laughs> yeah Congrats,
1: uh, by the way. Yeah, it's just like it's I mean, it's been tw- it's been 26 years of a lot of touring. There's a lot of crazy fun shit that's happened.
0: Do you uh participate in songwriting? Do you write your own songs as well?
1: Uh I do. You know, with Foos, it's it, Dave's the songwriter, so he's got that. And uh, he'll come in with anything from a riff to like a, f- a fully written song with demoed with everything on it. Very you know, cool. and then you just throw your own spin on on whatever he's done, um, and then f- for my personal outlet, I I write songs too on my own. Yeah.
0: You start on bass or
1: you just whatever's lying around guitar. Uh, I've got some proficiency on guitar. Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> so I've done <laughs> I've done one record. I'm about to record a second one. Oh, very uh, cool. Yeah, and uh, I played everything except the drums on the first one, and it'll probably be the same on the second one.
0: And that's available for people to check out?
1: Yeah, it's called Lieutenant is the uh, record I did on my own about five years ago.
0: Very cool. What's the next one called?
1: I don't know. I don't know if I'll stick with the lieutenant name or just plaster my own name on there. We'll see.
0: Right on. (laughs) Um, I saw this video of um, the young female drummer. um,
1: um, Nandy. Yeah, Yeah, Nandy.
0: Yeah. How did that come together? That was so cool.
1: Well that was a pandemic thing uh, and she was uh you know maybe 9 years old and posting these YouTube videos of her just shredding the drums and I think she might have called out Dave like I'm coming for you or let's do a drum challenge or something like that and uh you know Dave wasn't going to let that go without a response <laughs> <laughs> so he he took her up on it and they they had some back and forth uh you know friendly rivalry and uh and then we played a show sometime last year and she came out and, and played on stage and she was amazing and the thing that I, th- I thought was so cool about about Nandy was we uh went through the song with her I think she played Everlong with us and we did it a couple times during soundcheck and she was great and she played it better at on the when we actually did it in front of an audience crazy which is you know like usually there's there's, I mean, there's a big crowd and there's the nerves and everything. And typically, yeah. I know like me and everybody in my band, we, like, you know, if we can play 70% as well as we do in rehearsal, we're, we count that as a win. But she went out there and crushed it in front of a, an audience. So um, she's a badass. That's
0: so very cool that you guys... Because um, you've done that a few times with some different um, people wanting to play guitar or, you know, kids. And that's so great. I, I, I also... Like I said in the beginning, you guys always just look like you're having fun. Uh, would you say that contributes to the longev- longevity
1: of the band or a band? Yeah, absolutely. It's it does for for our band. That's that's the key. You know, it's got to be fun. You know, it, it's it's been a long time since those early few years of uh, of the band. Um, and I know Sunny Day Re- Real Estate ended in kind of a it's a dramatic cloud. Obviously oh, there was sorry. tragedy surrounding the end of Nirvana. And we, you know, we were pretty explicit when the band came together. Like this is gonna be fun. And we're it's not gonna be you know, we're gonna approach this as friends doing an art project for as, awesome. you know, and everything else. I'm not gonna take it too seriously. Uh we love music, we're gonna work hard at it, but like let's have it be let's have it be fun. And that's I don't know, I mean it's, it sounds kinda hokey. But uh, I, I think that starting off with that basic premise has really served us well.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I recommend that for everybody. <laughs> how do you yeah. uh, how do you balance being um, a rock star with with family and,
1: and normal life? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, I feel like uh, My life hasn't changed that much over the years, and when I go to school for drop-off, I'm just as much of a regular dad as the guy that's going in to sell insurance or, you know, uh, do do whatever basically. And when I go out to do the music thing, that's when I'm kind of putting on a role, you know. Like I'm I'm much more comfortable as like the average guy than the guy that's like. You know a rock star that okay. that's so that's for me that's always been it i was kind of look at the i put like the music thing in in a box and have uh it's a, a kind of like novelty put on if uh, that makes sense you yeah, know what i mean you sense. know where i don't have to be where i don't have to like juggle the two things it's like no 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 i'm like i'm much more comfortable with like kind of uh a very i don't want to say conventional but but a non-rock star kind of life and then i get to go do this which is fucking awesome and thankfully <laughs> there's some real extroverts in my band that uh that are able to sort of carry the mantle of proper rock stardom <laughs> that makes they get, they get to thing. do all the heavy lifting with that that makes a lot of sense man uh, yeah man keeping
0: some sort of consistency and uh real life um normalcy
1: yeah, sense. you know, because it, it's it can be challenging. I mean, it's it's definitely weird. Like uh, a day to day, you know, living in Los Angeles with my family existence versus, like, say, where I'll be next, you know, next week, which is playing a stadium in in Australia. Like, that's uh, you know, the juxtaposition is, is pretty crazy, right? Right. Um, and you definitely have to be aware of it. Like, it's a, it can be a head fuck. You, totally. got, you, know, you got it. it needs to be managed
0: right Yeah. <laughs> let's say that's that. a good word that's a good word yeah um let's talk about a few of the side projects that you guys are doing um what was the disco
1: thing that was just like you know i mean we all kind of lost our minds there for a second during the <laughs> fucking pandemic right <laughs> absolutely <You> know, <laughs> uh, some some people quietly some people a little bit more more loudly <laughs> that had to be fun though it right yeah that was great yeah, for me you know like as, uh, uh, like I'm a rock bass player like I don't I don't have a jazz background like I'm not like I don't have that kind of versatility and uh, being able to uh, have an opportunity to like learn those bass bass lines yeah. and try to replicate them and play Dude, with it it a little bit legit. more feel it sounded awesome yeah, yeah it sounded I, I fucking worked at it <laughs> it sounded great it sounded it was, great and they're so fun to play oh my yeah. god they're yeah. just it's those songs are really fun um and you know I it's I, I, I like that when our band does, like audacious shit, you know like you're gonna do a, a record of all of BG covers I just <laughs> like I love it you know like it's not only that it's not only that like what we was, just, your, just what was your initial what was your initial um response to the idea uh, okay so we uh, we were asked to do a bunch of covers for the BBC like three and you should be dancing was one of them and it just it it turned out great you know because dave doing the falsetto like clearly in appreciation of the bgs but but also kind of tongue-in-cheek and i just i i i I turned out great and i loved it and uh and he did too and uh and then it just mushroomed from there like well shit you know that one turned out great why stop there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know and then there was this vision like we're gonna go on tour and we're gonna do a whole set of bgs and a fucking disco ball is gonna come down and it's gonna turn in this dance party like i don't know we haven't really gotten a chance to like properly go on tour um yet <laughs> and it'll happen this summer we'll see if that happens but that was that was the vision at least
0: <laughs> that's awesome man and then you have <laughs> um you have like a thrash thing right what um dream widow is that the thing
1: well, okay, so yeah, that's that's tied into the movie. So, uh, the you know the premise of the movie is that we go into this kind of spooky old house to record a record. Dave gets possessed. There's creative differences between the band. Got it. Uh, he ends up killing the whole band and going solo. Oh wow! But this, so he's he's possessed by a spirit from this earlier band that had recorded it in the house, and they were called Dream Widow. Okay, and. So their music plays a role in the film and Dave actually did it all by himself. He's like, oh, okay, I'm going okay. to make, I'm going to make the dream widow record. It's not a food fighter side project. It's like a Got Dave it. thing having to do with the, the movie. So, uh, yeah, this was just to flush it out, you know, yeah. cause you might be curious what dream widow might've sounded like now you can go <laughs> listen to it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, um, what do you practice or study now to stay fresh and keep growing as a musician?
1: So for me, it's it's. I always bounce up against my like the limitations of uh, like m- my knowledge of the instrument, like the fundamentals, which I never learned when I was a kid. Um, so what I did really you ever, liked, did you ever take any lessons? I'm sorry to interrupt. I just like a couple, you know, okay. like uh, this is a you know major scale. This is minor scale. Got it. The end. Uh, it. And, and you play those well. <laughs> so uh, my favorite thing to do, what I really like to do, is just pick up the instrument and goof around. You know, and uh, I don't really know my way around the neck, but I just I just like making sounds with a bass. And I won't be playing a cover or necessarily writing a song. I might write a riff. Um, just, I just like to goof around with it. Um, and occasionally, I'll I'll just I'll just go on YouTube and just like look up like basic blues progressions or like stuff that I don't even really know, just to just to keep fresh and like learn a little bit of those fundamentals, just to throw a, a different element into my playing. Um, and I'll practice with that, but I find it really really difficult. Uh, I don't have ADHD, but I find it really it's with the bass for some reason I find it difficult to sit down and concentrate on. Learning, like the neck, say.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. You,
0: you're uh, you're experimenting and just wanting to make music.
1: I just like making
0: sounds. I, yeah. I get it, man. I get it. Yeah. Totally get it. Outside of music, what brings you joy?
1: Uh, well, my kids, obviously. Uh, I love my my home life with family. It's it's uh, it's unbelievable in the unbelievable state of perfection right now. Um, awesome congrats on that too yeah thank you yeah that really does bring me a lot of joy i like cooking and i like uh, i love the outdoors and mountains so okay cool yeah i live in los angeles it's very urban environment obviously uh and as soon as i go out to say joshua tree in the desert or out in the mountains to go snowboarding or mountain biking or hiking then i'm i'm 100 rejuvenated and i just feel connected to myself and nature and it's it's uh it's really what what brings me joy yeah amazing amazing
0: get out what advice would you give a uh, a young bass player right now throughout you know uh this pandemic um the music business changing um constantly to be a success
1: hmm that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, there's there's uh, as many different routes to success as there are, uh, you know, successful people in the world. There's there's no one formula, obviously. Uh, I think that, you know, when we're when we're starting out, there's a there's a definitely an inclination to uh, emulate other people, and you've mm-hmm. got to be careful with that. Obviously, there's influences, and you can you can learn a lot, but you know, you're not going to get very far just trying to be exactly like somebody else. I think. Right. Um, versatile uh, and and creative I think that's the thing is uh, you know to go back to that idea of like look at this look at it as art it's about self-expression you know you've got it you've got to be good at what you do um, you got to know the instrument but you got to have some something that that sets you apart you know and that's gonna be putting your own personality into it
0: good advice man right yeah for yeah sure. I dig. <laughs> what did you learn about yourself during the pandemic how is uh how's the time off changed you is it good or for the good for the bad how are you feeling
1: uh I feel good it was uh it was tricky for everyone and obviously for me the difficult thing was that um being a touring musician is not only my profession but it's my my love uh, I'm out there with my friends um uh, connecting with audiences doing this thing it's and it's also it's what i've known for a quarter of a century and then it went away and that was fine and i would tell my friends this because most people didn't weren't necessarily that out of work that i knew right? right so like yeah i'm out of work it's weird the thing that's tricky about it is that i don't know when it's going to end uh, yes. right so yeah. if it was like hey you're going to take a year and a half off like huh, okay i know but it's like or it might be forever <laughs> or it might be five years yeah totally. you know <laughs> so that was hard and just having the resilience to kind of uh roll with the punches it was good to to you know just see myself make it from one side of that to the other uh and not totally lose my shit (laughs) awesome man yeah
0: um well very cool Uh, i'm looking forward to hearing your next record whether it be lieutenant or the nate record or whatever you want to call it are you producing
1: that stuff as well I thought about it and I did some drum tracks the other day and I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I need someone to shepherd me through this process. I need help. (laughs) So yeah, no. Okay. (laughs) All right, man.
0: Well, thank you so much again for doing this. Um, Some great advice in there. And uh, I appreciate you. Um, thank you for listening to the Bass Freaks podcast. I appreciate you all. Stay healthy, spread love, spread joy, kindness, good vibes, and inspiration. And remember, you got this. Follow your path, whatever it may be, and just play. And a huge thank you to Dunlop for making this show possible. Make sure you check out Bass Freaks wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, cheers. Nice, nice.